Hold on to your Berenstein Bear books. We just found another piece of proof that reality may constantly be shifting. And then we travel to Nigeria to take a look at a sorcerer who slowly turned a Christian church into his own personal compound. And how do you take down a sorcerer? You have to hire a group of magic-wielding vigilantes. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having lots of fun doing whatever you guys are doing. First off, let's give a shout out to one of our legacy, two of our legacy Patreons coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Give it up for Cole and Danielle. Everyone give a round of applause. They're dancing, do a little dance for us. Dance, monkey, dance. Dance, monkey. They're having a good time as, as they're crying at our insults. Cole and Danielle, you guys are going to be our captains, our pilots this episode. If you guys can't swear the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Really appreciate it. And I want to give a shout out. I have to give credit where credit is due yesterday's you're like jason please don't talk about yesterday's episode we're done we've moved past that yesterday's episode i did not come up with a title for that episode i have to give credit to where credit's due that title is perfect so i did an episode every sunday morning i do a live episode for the patreons on the patreon discord if you didn't know that it's a really cool thing you guys want to check it out i record it live you guys can kind of see the process and all the editing that goes behind it and the failed jokes. If you've ever wondered what jokes were so bad don't make it onto the show, join us on Sunday morning because there's a lot of them. And that morning we had Rudy Jazz and Caspian Montague listening in on the Discord. And I did the whole episode and it, it ran about 52 minutes long. I haven't edited it yet. Probably end up around 40 minutes. So you get 12, 12 extra. You're like, Jason, I don't want any extra from yesterday's episode. Quit bringing it up. But if you did want 12 extra minutes and cuts and everything like that, failed jokes, pathways I'm not going down, I think it's a really cool behind-the-scenes things. But anyways, Caspian Montague, after I finished the episode, he just made a joke, and he said, Castrate Punk 2077. And when he said that, if he could have seen my face, normally I have some video going on, I didn't that day, but I immediately kind of pursed my lips. And I was like, damn it, that's such a good title. That is so, (laughs) that is perfect. And I had to ask him for permission. I wish I was smart and funny enough to come up with it. So thank you, Caspian, for coming up with that title. And if you are a Patreon supporter, join us on Sunday mornings. And if you want to be a Patreon supporter, that is a really cool thing as well that we give to the Patreon guys. So, Cole and Daniel, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed out to Australia. The reason why we're headed out to Australia is we're going to make contact with the group making contact. It's a team of people who investigate close encounters of the fifth kind. And what that is is basically where you meditate and then aliens show up or UFOs show up. And it shows the close connection between human spirituality and the aliens. On February 2017, making contact group, they're from Canada. They're headed out to Australia. And one of the team members, Lisette Rodriguez has to write a check for her rent. So fills it out, rips it off, and hands it to the landlord. And the check was given to the landlord on March 1st. The landlord takes the check to the bank, deposits it. And just because she's in another country, and you want to be sure, I mean, this is your apartment. You don't want to come home and they're like, oh, sorry, we rented it out to a bunch of raccoons. You want to make sure that your rent's paid. She checks online, and it shows that 
the check was processed. And she can actually see a photocopy or a scanned image of the check, the front and the back. She goes, awesome. My check went through. The bank took it. Don't have to worry about raccoons this month. But next month. Eventually, the team comes back. And Lisette Rodriguez comes back home. And she's going through her checkbook. And that check is still in her book. The check she wrote to the landlord, completely filled out, is still attached in her checkbook. So she takes the check, and she's looking at it, and she matches it up to the scanned check in the bank system. It's exactly the same check, same handwriting, same check number, everything's the same. The only differences are, after the landlord got the check, he wrote the apartment number on the check itself, and it's like apartment 203. I'm not trying to dox this lady, but she did scan her check and put it online. It's like apartment 203 or whatever like that. And the back of the check had a stamp from the bank showing the date it was deposited. And the check in her possession has neither of those things. There's actually a link. Robert Freeman knew this story sounded completely ridiculous. But he has backed it up with some really interesting stuff. There's a YouTube video. It'll be in the show notes. And then he has a GIF that's also in the show notes. And it shows the two, two checks back to back. It shows the check that Lisette has that she turned in, but is somehow still in her checkbook. And then it will flip and show the scanned version as well. It's the same check. Now, obviously, this could be fake. This would be super easy to fake. I take a photo of the check and then hand it to the landlord. It gets processed and then take a photo of the scan. It could be fake. But... It would be a weird thing to fake. Generally, fakes go big. That's one thing I've learned. Most people don't fake little things. If you're going to fake a story, it doesn't normally end with them going, I don't know what it was. I just heard something in the bushes and it scared me. It sounded like something I never heard before. Usually it ends with, and that's when I realized that I was the true monster. Usually the lie gets big. They can't help but finish the story or wrap it up. Or then the skinwalker showed up. Oh, come on, dude. It was unsettling. You you had me. And then you just had to wrap it up with a bow. Lies tend to get big. Not all the time. Not all the time. But could be a lie. But if it isn't, this is an interesting. This is kind of what Rob Freeman was thinking was. It's a perfect example of a glitch in the Matrix. Where she pulled the check out, gave it to them. And then it was processed like a normal check, and she saw it was processed as a normal check, but when she came back, the check was still attached in her checkbook. Perfect example of a glitch in the Matrix, and it's one that has physical proof. If we accept this story is true, it's it has physical proof. It's not something that's based on a possible poor memory, like, Luke, I am your father, or no, I am your father. Like, a lot of people think that's a Mandela effect. The line was always, no, I am your father. The Berenstain Bear thing will always trip me up. Will always trip me up. Because I remember it was Berenstain, S-T-E-I-N, 100%. I've never wavered in that belief. Mandela, when he was in prison, I had no idea. And I follow world politics, and I was like, I don't know. I mean... Maybe. I don't I don't know. That one, it's so funny with the Mandela effect. I honestly think it's named that as a cover-up. Because if you go, what's the Mandela effect? And they go, well, Nelson Mandela was this leader in South Africa. And he got arrested and then people thought he died in the 90s. But it turns out he was still alive. And I still don't know when he died. I don't really know anything about Nelson Mandela. Right? If you say, if it was called, if it was called, instead of calling it the Mandela effect. Because you have to explain so much stuff about it. What if it was called the Berenstein Bear Effect? And people would go, what? And you would spell it B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. 
Berenstein Bears. And then you would go, oh, remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember those books. And then you would say, go find a book right now. That's not how it's spelled. It would blow people. It, people that would convince people. Talking about Luke, I am your father. Or a magic mirror on the wall, mirror, mirror on the wall. Those are easy things to, to forget. Because you hear the parody more often than you hear the original source. But Berenstein Bears, that is what it was called. Berenstein Bears, I grew up on those books. I have those books. I remember I used to love the spooky old tree one, and I used to like pretend I was hiding in the tree myself. Those books were a huge part, and I know what those books were called. So I think the fact that it's called the Mandela Effect is to cover up the one true glitch out of all of those, and that's the Berenstein Bears. Not Fruit Loops, not Captain Crunch. Anyways... Back to this, we have physical proof of a glitch. It's easily faked physical proof, and we can't forget that. But it's still proof if you believe in this story. And, and I don't really, I mean, I believe in the paranormal, I believe in stuff like this, so I don't have anything on its face to not believe these people. They haven't shown that their credibility is shot or anything like that. It's interesting because it makes you think it's so mundane. Like, how many other small glitches happen constantly that we don't pick up on? That we just don't see? One check was written, two checks exist. And how that happened, we just don't know what could have caused it. And again, a lot of times the lie will have an explanation. In real life, sometimes the answer is, I don't know. I don't know what happened. That's what makes the story feel more real. Cole and Danielle are walking in slow motion in their flight suits. They know what time it is. It's time to get on board the Carpenter Copter. Let's go ahead and toss them the keys. They're both in the cockpit. It's a quantum cockpit. They can both fly at the same time. We're leaving behind Australia. We are headed on out to Nigeria. People often ask me, where do you see the future of the show? As the show grows, where do you see it growing to? Is it just always going to be you in a closet recording? And that'll always be a component of it. There'll always be just me. I don't ever think about taking on a co-host or anything like that. But you know what I would love to add to the show is travel, locations. I would love to do like a week of episodes in El Salvador where we're still like one of the top science podcasts in the entire nation. I'd love to go to Nigeria. We've covered so many stories in Nigeria. I would pack all my stuff up and spend a week or two in Nigeria still putting out episodes, but talking to the people. I want to meet these people. You're like, Jason, you know how many penises? You know how many penis disappearing stories you've covered in Africa? Yeah, I'm willing to take that risk. I think it would be dope. I want to start getting boots on the ground. I would even go to, like, Milwaukee and try to find Haunchyville. <laughs> Speaking of boots on the ground, they chopped my legs off. I, I would love to see the show grow like that. Still putting out daily episodes, but just recording it in hotels. And then going out and talking to the people, that would be great. Because this story is one of the, I was like, come on, man. Why couldn't this be real? When I read this story, I was super engrossed in it. And I thought, this is what we all wanted to be real as children. And, and as adults, too. But definitely as kids. This is the world we wanted. I mean, there's a lot of people dying in this story. But y you'll get what I mean. And I want to give a shout out to Randy88Moss, who brought this story to my attention. This is a really, really fascinating story. Thank you so much. We're going back to the mid-1990s, and we're in Onitshaw. That's in the Anambra state, Nigeria. You're like, Jason, if you're going to 
If you're going to visit places, you better learn how to pronounce them. And in Onicha, there is a young man named Eddie Nagu. He's 29 years old, and he's walking through the town, and everyone's like, Eddie, Eddie, dude, you're totally dope. And he's like, thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. And they're like, Eddie, thanks for getting rid of those boils on my baby's back. And he goes, try saying that three times fast. And he's walking through town. Everyone loves this dude. Because he is a prophet of God. Who wouldn't want to have a prophet of God in your neighborhood? He has super senses. He can hear things, smell things, see things that other humans can't. But that's not that. That's really not that impressive. If you can't fight crime with it, what's the point? He also has an ability, though. This this would work. To heal the sick. Boils on a baby's back? Gone. That whole leprosy thing? You don't need that anymore. He's healing everyone in this town, so he's super popular. And he builds the Anioma Healing Center. So now he has this church. He has this facility where people can come and get healed. Eddie will lay his hands on them, and they will walk away clean. They will walk away pure. They will walk away restored. But this healing center slowly starts to become a compound. Eddie starts to see himself less as a prophet of God and as God himself. He becomes a very, very famous figure in town. People love him. He's taking care of them. But other religious leaders in Onitsha and around Anambra State begin to suspect something about Eddie. He's a fake Christian. He's using all the trappings of Christianity because he knows that's what the populace believes in. You can't walk into a town where they have crosses everywhere and go, how would you guys like some pentagrams? They're going to immediately... They're probably going to murder you over in Nigeria if you do that. But they go, he's not actually Christian. When you listen to the stuff he talks about, he's not actually Christian. And even more so, some people, even though they're being healed by Eddie, they walk away and they feel better. Their limp is gone. Their eyesight's restored. But they tell their friends and their family, that wasn't Christian magic. He had these relics that I've never seen before. He's practicing the dark arts in there. And I don't know if the cure is worth it. By the year 2000, Eddie has achieved godhood. He calls himself the deity who attends church. And his powers are well known in the state. He also, though, becomes linked to a bunch of crimes. First off, his compound, his healing center, starts to be frequented by criminals. And people who need to get an illness cured have to pass through this den of thieves to meet Eddie. Eddie then gets connected to kidnappings. His rituals become darker. And people say that he uses human skulls now. And there are even rumors in town that these human skulls aren't dug up somewhere. That Eddie and his crew of criminals are now performing human sacrifices to achieve even greater powers. People of the town become very scared of Eddie, but he is the church. And they need his healing power. So they have no choice but to continue to worship him. But because all these rumors have spread around the state, Eddie has made very, very powerful enemies. And the most vicious of all of his enemies are now ready to go after him. They are called 
the Bacasi Boys. Now, this story is fully documented in multiple newspapers. This is not an urban legend that was going around the state of Nigeria. This was high levels of government in Nigeria realized that Eddie was a problem. They had This is one of those weird stories that we're talking about magic, we're talking about dark arts, and there's articles like in the Associated Foreign Press about this. It's one of those stories where you have the paranormal and real-world government agencies having to deal with this. The Bacasi Boys. It's a group of vigilantes that rose up out of the lawlessness that controlled Nigeria. The Bacasi Boys were basically a vigilante army, and they swept through cities, restoring law and order when no one else would. The police were too corrupt. The people in the cities did not trust the police. You could just pay them enough and you could do what you wanted. But the Bakasi boys, they fought for justice. But since the Bakasi boys are fighting utter anarchy in Nigeria, you can't just use machetes and shotguns. Now, they did use those. Those were their weapons of choice. They also used magic. They were perfect hunters. They never failed to catch one of their targets. If someone went on the run, and the Bakasi boys would always catch them. They would use whatever sorcerous tricks that they knew to take you down. And once they got you, they had these silver-coated machetes that they would simply place on your chest. If the machete turned blood red, that means you had committed a vicious, heinous crime sometime in your life. And you were butchered on the spot. No judge, no trial. Just the magic machete that let the world know of your sins. They also had necklaces imbued with the powers that once it was put on you, you could not tell a lie. They were compelled to tell the truth by these items. But the Bakashi boys also had one trick up their sleeve that no one could defeat. Not the standard criminal, not the corrupt police, not even the government's army could stop the Bakashi boys. Because they had something known as Odeshi, which translates to, it does not leak. The Bakashi boys were bulletproof. The criminal underworld feared the Bakashi boys. The corrupt police were terrified of the Bakashi boys. But the people welcomed these men into their cities. Finally, the streets are safe to walk again. Their influence was so great that in 1998, the governor of the Anambra state, Governor Chinwoke Mubajinju, takes power and immediately passes a law called the Anambra Vigilante Services. What that did was it made the Bakashi boys a branch of the government. This magic-wielding army of vigilantes now had official status. Their job... Do whatever it takes to regain order in this state. And they did. Using magic and brute force, using fear, intimidation, and the love of the population, they ended the lawlessness of the cities. But in the year 2000, they get word of a sorcerer known as Eddie, who's rumored to be committing these dark rituals and only getting stronger by the day. The Bakashi boys head out to confront Eddie. They have never ever failed to catch a target. When they get to his compound, he's gone. They get word that he's staying in an apartment deeper in the city. They head out there, just miss him. 
They kick down the door, he's already gone. They get some intel that he's in this other location. They head out there, machetes and shotguns ready to take down this sorcerer. Barely miss him. Matter of minutes, Eddie gets away. This obviously looked really bad for the Bacasi boys. They've never failed to take their target. And Eddie gets away 13 times. The Bacasi boys are right on his heels, and right when they kick down the door, right when they go into the bar, right when they level their shotguns at the crowd in front of them, he's gone. The Bacasi boys have a meeting about this. They can't figure out how to stop this guy. He must be so powerful that none of their magic can stop him. The Bakasi boys' leader, Negruo, says, Eddie is a very, very powerful sorcerer. He has gained so much control over the dark arts. We'll never be able to catch him unless we remove those powers from him. Negruo, using his own power, is able to strip away Eddie's magical abilities. The 14th time the Bakasi boys head out to find him, they catch him. On November 4th, 2000, he's taken to their headquarters for interrogation. They beat him, they whip him, they cut him with machetes. And after this torture, he confesses to the murders of 93 people. So they need to make an example of him. This once famous religious leader who misled so many people, who took over an entire town and subjected them to torment. They bring him out to the Ochanja market. They wait till as many people are gathered around as possible. And they slice his stomach open with the machetes, cut his head off, and then burn the body. This event is so huge in Nigeria, at least in the Anambra state. That you can buy, this is, I don't know if this is a cultural thing, it didn't make any sense to me, but you can buy calendars depicting these events. You know, over in America, like I have a Britney Spears calendar or swimsuit illustrated calendar up on my wall. And, you know, that's fine, right? They have, there's no joke, there's photos of this. Their, their calendar, I'm not saying you have to have this calendar over there. It's a choice, but they have calendars that shows cartoon drawings of the events I just told you. Again, this is not some made-up story. This story was documented over the course of months and years. The compound was there. He existed. There's a bunch of news articles about the lead-up to this and all the rumors of the crimes. There's a calendar that shows him like walking around. It's like a drawing of Eddie walking downtown. Doo -doo 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 -doo. And he's like greeting the people of town. And then like as you go, you're like, oh, kids, it's October. It's time for him to get disemboweled. And there's a drawing of this guy on his knees with white organs popping out of his stomach. Where, you know, like his intestines are can be kind of like this weird clayish color. They're just pouring out of this dude's stomach. And then they show, like, in December, when you're celebrating the birth of Christ, there's, like, a picture of these body parts because they chopped them up and threw them into these. They, they When they burn you, they put you in tires. They put you in, like, car tires, put gasoline on them, and then you just kind of melt. It's just com to completely destroy and devalue the human remains. They have calendars of this. And, of course, there's a couple movies about the guy because Nigeria is the second biggest movie producer in the world. An interesting story, and you know what I mean? Like, wouldn't we love to live in a world where you're not a victim, right? You're, you're, you're on the sidelines. You're just reading about this in the newspaper. But let's say you pick up the New York Times tomorrow. You're watching CNN. 
and it's like, famed wizard Charles Winger once again continues to hold sway over the people of Baltimore. His powers have controlled most of them for the past couple months, but don't worry, the U.S. is sending in their own wizard forces to overtake that. You're like, Jason, that sounds horrific. I wouldn't want to be under the thumb of a bunch of wizards and have to hope other wizards save me. Yeah, you would. Like, wouldn't this be dope? Wouldn't this be great to live in a society where magic was real? And, like, maybe you could learn how to do it. And But even if you couldn't, it would make the world so much more exciting. If at any point you could walk outside and some wizard's, like, holding up an amulet and you're like, Oh, I'll believe everything you say. Like, wouldn't that be dope? Okay, maybe not that example. But just knowing that magic existed. Like, we want the paranormal to exist. I think most of us believe in the paranormal. Some of you don't, and that's fine. You just like the show, but... Wouldn't it be great to live in a world where magic actually existed? Like, whether or not I was... I would be probably pretty jealous of people who were, like, shooting electricity at people. I'd be like, oh, man, I wish I could commit manslaughter. Aw. All I have is this shotgun. But, yeah, it would be dope. Like, when you're a kid and you're watching, like, visionaries and you're believing all this stuff, you go, oh, man, maybe someday people like they'll be doing, like, karate fighting in the middle of the street and they'll be shooting like beams at each other and then some guy flies down and goes "Mm -mm -mm," and then like bunks their heads together like that would be awesome and as a child that could be when you're a kid you think oh that might be real i would love that i honestly would love a world where we knew magic existed and you saw proof of it all the time and maybe you're a wizard yourself maybe you're just a bystander but it would be cool it would be really cool But that all aside, let's wrap the story up like this, because this is where the conspiracy theory comes in to this story. Because every story that involves the government has a conspiracy theory to it. In October 2002, the Anambra Vigilante Services got shut down. The government of Anambra disbanded the Bakasi boys and basically said the group is now illegal. And once that happened, the cities that they protected became more lawless, more chaotic and violent than they were before the Bokasi boys were even created. Things got way worse. And so this is my conspiracy theory, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this podcast and a lot of people in Nigeria who believe the same thing. The reason why Eddie was able to disappear 13 times may have had something to do with his ability to control magic, but it also probably had the ability to do with corrupt governmental forces who knew where the Bakasi boys were going. Because remember, they were part of the government at this point. And so he was being tipped off. Because people who get powerful like Eddie will always have connections in the local government or even the national government. You'll have corrupt officials who want what the criminals are selling who want to have these drugs, these women, and so they do illegal things. They take the bribes, and that is just part of their lifestyle. And Eddie is connected to them. And when Eddie is eliminated, that all dries up. And as the Bakasi boys continue to move through the state, shutting down these criminals, they're actually hurting the politicians. If you got rid of every single drug dealer in the United States today, Either they give up, they're arrested, or we just completely drive the drug supply. There's three groups of people who will be hurt by that. The drug dealers, the drug users, and government officials. So if the Bakasi boys were too effective, they were too good at protecting the citizens. What happens to the Bakasi boys after that, we don't know. What we do know is you basically had an army of young men who were 
who were trained magic users, who had no hesitation to kill, and were bulletproof. How many of those men do you think went on to become a carpenter, and raise a family, and live a peaceful life? And how many of those young men do you think said, I'm hungry, I have no job training, no one's going to hire me, and they turned to a life of crime? I'm not saying they all did that, but even if 10% of them did that, you now have a whole new generation of criminals, gangster warlords, really, who not only have battle-hardened experience, but black magic to back them up. And then you have the same politicians that disbanded their group in the first place, reaching out to them, offering them jobs. The pay is good. The work is exciting. And that appeals to these young men. The same politicians who destroyed the Picasso boys now use them as their own personal conduit into the criminal underworld. A gangster with nothing to lose is dangerous. A gangster with nothing to lose who has the backing of local government officials is impossible to stop. But a gangster with nothing to lose, who has the backing of local government officials and has reality-shifting powers at their disposal, what else would we call that person but a god? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.